Hello, and welcome back to another bang-up episode of Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. I'm Mike Gordon, Principal Flute of the Kansas City Symphony. I'm Stephanie Brimhall, Education Manager. And I'm Jason Sieber, the Associate Conductor. Well, you guys know we're always drumming up some fun on this podcast, but today... That's especially true because we are joined by our brand new principal percussionist, Josh Jones. We are so excited that he's here in KC. And even though we're not performing as an orchestra yet, we know we will be soon. And I simply can't wait to work with Josh. Welcome, Josh, to the show. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I am great. A little tired, but I am feeling awesome right now. Good. Are you all settled in in KC? Yeah, for the most part. Um, apartment looks great. Neighborhood looks great. I kind of know where everything is now. <laughs> no, um, the walk to work is beautiful. It's it's a good, I think it's about a 50 minute walk Whoa. from where I live. So it's a good exercise every day. But yeah, I love it. That's good. I think we need to get the most important thing out of the way right here at the very top and give Josh a big congratulations because by the time this podcast airs, Josh is going to be a married man. Yes. 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 That's why I'm a little tired. (laughs) (laughs) Josh is getting married tomorrow, you guys. Congratulations. Congrats, Josh. That's amazing, man. That's terrific. I am very excited. Well, we thank you and your um, bride-to-be for letting you sneak away for a little bit of time today while we get to chat with you. Um, So, thank you for that. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Well, long before you were thinking of being married, you were thinking of being a musician and a percussionist in particular. Tell us about your path to becoming a professional percussionist, Josh. You started pretty early. Very early. And it's kind of one of those stories where you fall in love with something and you don't realize you can, like, that can be a career. It's just something fun. Like, it's just your little toy that you used to play with and that kind of thing. Um, so when I was two, I started hitting everything, uh, <laughs> everything in sight. Um, and then my grandfather on my dad's side noticed that, oh, he's hitting everything. We should get him a drum set. Yes. So when I turned three, I got a drum set. It was a blue Mickey Mouse drum set. And <laughs> I, still, I still remember how the sticks felt. Like I can remember the, like they always make those plastic sticks and it has like that line through the through the entire way of the stick. I still remember uh-huh. how that felt. I can still remember how the drum felt and, and how, to, how I touched all the toms and stuff like that. So yeah, um, so I started with that and uh, I don't know how, but I started really listening to drums or rhythm in music and things like that. And um, I don't know, it, it was just something that I, I just loved music and I loved rhythm. I loved hitting things. Um, And it wasn't until fourth grade that I got into this program called the Percussion Scholarship Program that I started taking orchestral lessons with a member of the Chicago Symphony and a member of the Lyric Opera. Of course, I'm in fourth grade and I don't know what that means. (laughs) So, So I'm just, I'm just like, oh, I get to play more drums. That's great. I'll keep doing that. That's fine drums. I like that. <laughs> so I have a question, because um, I know a lot of a lot of percussionists, most percussionists um, have pretty great keyboard skills. Did you ever take um, piano as a, as a child? No, I did not. And I regret it what? to this day. 
Hmm. Wow. It's kind of funny because everyone used to say I have piano hands because I have a very wide spread. Like, so I wish I could play piano, but I don't. (laughs) So, uh, you know, one of the things that's, that's so impressive to me, uh, is I, I have probably no actual concept of how much you practice, but I have, I have a vague inkling. Um, and you know, this has been such a weird way to start a new job, right? You know, you, you, Come move to a new city. You're all excited about uh, a new job, playing with a new orchestra, new meeting new people, uh, and then we don't get to play together. And you've you've been in Kansas City now, I assume, for probably a month or two, right? Yeah, about three months. Or three months already. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So so what what have you been doing to uh, to keep playing music? I mean, I I know because I've been over the offices a couple of times. Uh, suddenly our our boardroom is now a percussion studio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that uh, the symphony has been doing the streaming Saturdays. So I just figured at some point in the future, they will ask you to play a streaming Saturday. (laughs) Um, I think you just signed yourself up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, okay, I need to learn a bunch of pieces and make sure they're good. And the way that, I want them to be good. I have to know them like the back of my hand to the point where I just know where everything is without having to think about it. Um, so it takes a lot of long hours and a lot of patience. So that's one thing. Uh, the other stuff I do, I just want to maintain my technique and keep learning and keep discovering new ways of doing things and accomplishing goals that I want to be able to do on the drums um, I teach a lot, so I need to stay, you know, prepared for all of those lessons. Um, and it's kind of funny when, whenever I do lessons now, I'll say, oh, I'm working on this right now. And my students are like, wait, you're still practicing? Like, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yep, all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then if they're having a similar problem that I'm dealing with, I usually go, oh, yeah, I'm working on that right now. So what I'm doing right now to work on this problem that you currently have. And so it's like a good connection with the student that we're both working Throughout the uh, through the same issues that we both will discover or have discovered uh, or are discovering right now uh, that we both have. So, yeah. Um, and then I, I used to do a lot of uh, live streams anyway, pr- uh, either practicing or playing through some uh, Bach or some snare drum stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep my hands moving. It's, it's one of those things where if I don't do it for a while, it's like an itch I have to scratch. Um, <laughs> so I've kind of been off the couple, last couple of days. So I just, every chance I get, I'm just kind of like, uh, actually, when I first got here, we have a little puppy that's here that I play one of the trash cans for the puppy because they had a nice ring to it. So I was like, oh, and the puppy was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome you can come over here and play for my puppy too he might need that as well awesome. right. <laughs> Stephanie has a brand new puppy I do so Josh I'm curious I'd like to chat with you a little bit about your audition process here in Kansas City and um, you know we've talked about auditions a handful of times on this podcast Mike has you know had many nervous breakdowns about talking about his auditioning experiences it's okay um, I'm better now okay good <laughs> Um, but you know, I mean, percussion is, it's its own, it's its own beast anyway, because you're not just coming in and playing one instrument and playing a series of excerpts on one instrument, you're coming in and you're playing a 
ton of different instruments. Some of those you bring with you. Some of them are, you know, you you get to play once you're on stage, and that's the first time you get to put your hands on them. So can you talk just a little bit about your experience here in Kansas City and like um, the process itself, but then also what that, you know, what is that like when you get to the very end and your number is called as the winning number, just kind of the whole rainbow of <laughs> experience? Okay. So my first introduction to auditions obviously was super early <laughs> and I didn't really have a concept of being nervous because, you know, I was like, there, there weren't any stakes behind what I was doing. Um, so luckily I, I started that pretty early, uh, either to the bet betterment or the detriment, but who knows, uh, 2020 hindsight. So <laughs> dealing with this audition, um, having already won one in the past, before I won that one, um, certain things happened. So I guess I have to start from the very beginning. When I first started percussion, my first two teachers were always telling me um, or asking me to think about what's the feel of, some, of what I'm doing. So if it's a good sound, what does that feel like? Uh, what does this role feel like? What does piano feel like? What does forte feel like? Okay, so that's super early fourth grade. And then when I got to college, I realized, oh man, I got to learn marimba. I already did that, but you know, tambourine, triangle, timpani, bass drum, snare drum chops, marimba, xylophone, glockenspiel, vibraphone. It's like 20 some instruments. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, do I have to learn 20 several separate techniques for each single instrument? And I'm like, uh, that's hard. I'm hoping at some point I'll find one feel that works for everything. Hmm. Interesting. I, literally a year later, I get introduced to my teacher who helped me discover most of this stuff, um, Mark Demolakis of the Cleveland Orchestra, mm -hmm. uh, principal percussionist of the Cleveland Orchestra, um, whom I love. <laughs> I love him so much. Um, and he was discussing with me uh, not only relaxation, but a certain sensitivity to rebound and how that rebound affects the sound on every single instrument. And so basically if I was able to discover and able to kind of dance around rebound itself and it didn't matter what I was hitting, um, I would be able to play any instrument that I was approached or that I approached. Mm -hmm. So with, this kind of technique, it doesn't matter if I play a tight snare drum, a loose snare drum, a tight bass drum, or a loose bass drum, knowing and having that sensitivity to how the stick is going to respond makes me able to play anything that I'm, like, going to see. So, fast forward, I practice in a certain way and discover, like, this one type of feel that works on every instrument. And not only am I able to figure that out, I'm able to figure out how every instrument responds in different rooms based on how I hit it, which makes it like, uh -huh. wait, it's a drum. How do you make different sounds on a drum? Like, how do you make dark sounds? How do you make bright sounds? How do you make short sounds? How do you make long sounds? And so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a huge, like Pandora's box of opportunity and options. <laughs> 
And like, I need to be able to control all of these as like immediately as possible. And so I learned how to do that. Um, and it wasn't until I got comfortable with, you know, being able to have those options, number one, and number two, working on nerves and making sure that I was, uh, I had um, different strategies to calm myself down, to stay in the zone, to kind of not care that it's the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, it's the Berlin Phil, like, I don't care what it's for, all I want to do is make beautiful sounds, play some beautiful music, and make it sound dope. It's like building up a whole vocabulary, a, <laughs> a whole vocabulary across the years. And and like you said, I, I love what you say about, you know, fe- re- recreating a feeling of what does Forte feel like? What does this feel like? And being able to do it on any instrument. It, while you were talking about it, it kind of, I mean, I don't mean to make light of it all, but it kind of reminded me of like training to be a Jedi you know, training to be a jet, like Luke going through his training. I mean, that's sort of what he does with Yoda. You got to learn the force is there. You know, there's this, there's a musical force within each of us. It's learning how to channel it and harness it. And I think it's so interesting to hear you talk about, you know, because percussion is so incredibly precise. All music is precise, of course, but with percussion, you have to be rhythmically incredibly tight. And to hear you say that the, the dichotomy of being able to do that perfectly, but also just relax and feel I've got this and and just channel all that energy in a very relaxed way. I mean, the key to winning an audition, no matter what instrument you're on, is to balance those two things, being in complete control and also being completely relaxed and confident in yourself, I think. I, I compare it to Jedi stuff all the time. Oh my gosh. This <laughs> is okay, a, good. A so that wasn't a crazy now. comparison. <laughs> well, one of the things that I think is so interesting uh, as you describe your audition experience, I mean, I, I did not have the uh, privilege, unfortunately, of being on your, uh, your committee, but I have been on percussion auditions previously. And, um, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about listening to a percussion audition, if you're not a percussionist, is that if you don't really pay attention it all kind of sounds the same after you've listened to mm-hmm. 60 people. Um, and and it's not that I don't always really pay attention in an audition, but I, I, a percussion audition, for me anyway, needs needs special attention. And and I know, um, you know, as we were all preparing for that audition, we had we had to prepare to listen to, to that audition because, um, you know, hearing these familiar pieces, just the percussion parts out of context, it's hard to orient yourself in the piece sometimes you know for for our listeners no one thinks of petrushka as you know no one no one thinks of petrushka that way and i know what you're singing uh from the tambourine part it was such a fascinating experience and and i had the thought you know once i got into listening like you know, I'm really just listening for somebody to make music the same as I am at any other audition or any other time I'm listening to a performance of any sort. Um, so to hear you to hear you describe it that way uh, is is really fantastic, and uh, and I know we got the right guy, and I I just can't wait to hear you uh, do what you do on stage with all of us. It will be uh, it will be our pleasure and honor for sure. Um, Indeed. You know, we had such a wonderful conversation uh, a few months ago with our principal horn player, Albert uh, Suarez, who is uh, a Cuban. 
by birth, and he does a lot of amazing uh, work to try to promote diversity in the orchestral uh, music world. And I just happened to be listening to another podcast uh, the other day, a wonderful interview with uh, the executive director of the Toronto Symphony, and they were talking about this. And he, he said something that struck me as interesting, which is that, you know, in our industry, we've been we've been talking about addressing this for a long time. And, you know, some organizations have taken some really positive action and some haven't, but the overall result is, is not that dramatic, unfortunately. You know, we're so excited to have you in our orchestra uh, for all, for all of your musical qualities. And you talked about um, the incredible opportunity you had as a young player. So I wonder if you'd talk a little bit about, um, your thoughts of how we can, you know, how can we approach uh, creating diversity in the orchestral world better? You know, how can we create opportunities for more people as as young players uh, in this world and, you know, give them the opportunity to excel like you did? Because clearly uh, the sky is the limit for, for so many people if they only got the chance. Yeah, I think for the most part, it's one of those long form uh, processes where it has to start, well, it doesn't necessarily have to start at a young age, um, but the younger, probably the better, then they have, you know, time to actually, you know, work on things and make a decision instead of, you know, later on in life where they might be 32 and wishing they had the time and the means to, you know, pick up a new instrument and change their career. Um, not saying that that's not possible. A lot of people have done that, uh, uh, m- maybe not as old, uh, Jason Haheim from the uh, Metropolitan Opera. I think he, he was a scientist before he was a timpanist. So mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things. So it, it is possible as long as you have the right um, guidance and the tools, you know, and the, and the drive, obviously. Um, or investing in some sort of like digital... Um, what do you call it? I guess a digital avenue where they can watch videos. I know a lot of people, me included, that's what I'm doing on Instagram a lot, is just trying to create content that shows someone of a professional level, you know, practicing. And this is what I do. And this is the way I practice. And this is what I think about. Um, Here's what I learned from. Uh, On my website, I have a bunch of materials that I learned from or read or used. Uh, this is mm-hmm. the stick bag that I have. These are the sticks that I got. Um, all that kind of stuff. And just making it accessible to people. And I guess the last thing would be finding a way to get the information out there because there's a lot of places, um, like they might be in the same city, in the same neighborhood, and don't realize that the, the school down the street has these opportunities. So like finding a way to get the word out, um, make those connections in the community, which is why I really like this orchestra because y'all are doing everything out in the community right now. <laughs> yep. um, so it, it's really, uh, it's, it's really inspiring and encouraging to see that, that um, uh, proactivity and not waiting for the audience to come to you, which is what a lot of people. Well, expect. and I'm glad, so. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause uh, um I was actually working at a concert last night um, that was a string trio performance in Swope Park. 
Um, and it was in the middle of this beautiful pavilion um, in the middle of Swope Park, which is a, a park kind of in a, the downtown-ish area of Kansas City. We were there and there were maybe 60 people there. Um, and most of them were from that area. They weren't coming in and, you know, kind of following us, which we do have a, a lot of people who kind of follow us throughout the community. But what I loved was that it really felt like we were playing for people in that community. And of all the performances that I've worked during this, um, the last couple months where we've been out in the community and doing these small performances, this one, um, I got the, I've got the most comments from people saying, I have never been to the symphony. I've never heard anything like this. I've never heard a violin. I've never seen a viola in person. Like, and it was, um, it, it really made me, I, I've known that these performances were important since before we started doing them, but hearing that feedback and really seeing people's reactions when they're, it's a first time exposure and it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't, you know, I've heard about this, but I didn't know that it existed or I didn't have any idea what it sounded like. Um, I think that's one of the the really crucial things that we have to be doing and that we you know, in Kansas City, certainly are doing, but need to be doing more of all the time. Yeah, it's I. Whenever I see something like that, it, it reminds me of the first time I ever saw an orchestra, uh, and I was I was in the very, very, very high up right side <laughs> of the hall, and the the concert was just you know a kids concert with some mimes, um, and it, it was a really funny concert, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And I didn't really think that much about it. I was like, oh, that's a really cool thing. And that's all I thought about it at the time until I realized someone told me that, hey, you could do that. I didn't really think much about it, you know? So it it's one of those things that, yeah, you know, it might not be just a first time thing and they'll like, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. It's, you know, sometimes it's, you know, repeat exposure <laughs> to it. Right. And they're like, you know, I like this a lot more than I thought I did. Yeah. Planting that seed, you gotta you gotta plant a seed first, and, and mm-hmm. allow the interest to grow with anyone. You know, I think it's, and and like you said, continue continuing to provide opportunities, and mm-hmm. and people once they have a few meaningful opportunities with anything, they're going to be uh, much more curious about it and interested in it. And oh yeah, excited about it. Well, uh, we have a couple of questions here, which we are required by law to ask you on Beethoven walks <laughs> into law. a bar. It's in, it's in the, uh, it's in the fine print actually of the uh, documentation we sent you. If you didn't read it, um, <laughs> so uh, uh, number number one, and this is this is important to me personally. Um, what is your favorite beverage of choice? Either alcoholic, non-alcoholic. Something that, you know, helps you relax at the end of a day or the beginning of a day, something you just deeply enjoy. Um, it would probably be root beer. Ooh, root beer. Ooh I That's like nice that one. answer. Yeah. A&W, Barks, Dad's, do you have a particular brand? Um, Bundaberg. Oh, nice. Yes. yes. I've never had their root beer. Is it good? Oh, obviously. It's very, it, it reminds me of a draft root beer, like something okay. from a keg. Yeah. Um, I've had their ginger beer, but I've never had their root beer. Yeah, root beer is pretty good. Bundaberg, Josh, I'm sure you know this, uh, is an Australian company uh, because my, so my wife is Australian and there Bundaberg is uh, most well known as a brand of rum. So they make, they make oh. rum, but they make, you know, ginger beer, root beer. 
And yes, I uh, too really enjoy their root beer and their ginger beer. So I highly recommend it by Bundaberg. Support the Aussies. <laughs> <laughs> so the second most important question here, of course, is if you walked into a bar with Beethoven, what would you ask him? Ooh, um, what does sound feel like to you? Oh, what mm. a great question. Nice. Good answer. Like, I want to know where he heard sound in his body hmm. and what every tone sound, what every tone feels like. Because that's, that's what I'm always trying to feel or trying to discover. Nice. Do you know what I love about this is that we've had so many guests on this podcast over the last several months and no one has asked the same question. I, I love that so much. Answered. A- yes. A- yes. No one would ask Beethoven the same question. Oh, I see what you're saying. I yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome, awesome chatting. And uh, now, Josh, what we do have uh, that we like to do with our Kansas City Symphony musicians is we like to play a little game called Bar Talk, where um, today I'm going to be the host. I've taken it from Jason because I enjoy the power so much. And you did pretty well last time, so I'm going to give you another shot at it. You were, you were pretty good. So, so I'm going to host this epic battle for trivial glory today, and you men are going to duke it out to see who will provide this very coveted um, responsibility of providing recommended listening this week. I know, it's a, it's a high prize. So I'm going to ask each of you the same question, and we'll I'll, we'll answer in a specific order. And if you hear this sound, that means I don't like your answer. And if you hear this sound, that means it's an excellent answer. And for every ding that you get, you're going to earn a point, points that have no consequence whatsoever. <laughs> and at the end, whoever has the most points gets to give our recommended listening for the week. Sound fair? Let's do it. Awesome. All right. So my first question for you gentlemen is what is the worst part about wearing tails? Mm. Okay. So mm. Jason, what is the worst part about wearing tails? Well, I don't have to wear them very often because most of the concerts I conduct are either in suit or something even more casual than that. However, I will say the worst part about wearing tails is sitting down because if you forget to fan them out, you're gonna they're gonna be quite wrinkled. And as a conductor, people are gonna see that and they're gonna think, does this guy not ever, you know, press his clothes or go to the dry cleaners? So <laughs> sitting down, sitting down is the worst part about wearing tails. Luckily, I get to stand though. Awesome. All right, Josh, question is to you. The worst part about wearing tails? Um, they only come in one color. <laughs> <laughs> I like Good it. Good answer. <laughs> All right, Mike? Uh, definitely the, the collar and the bow tie. You know, we, you know, wind players don't like to be strangled while we're playing our instruments. <laughs> I think that's, yes, that's for sure. I could see that. All right, that was well done, gentlemen. Good job. Thank you. Okay, um, let's see. If you could play only one percussion instrument for the rest of your life, if you, if you had to spend the rest of your life only with access to one percussion instrument, what would it be? Mike. Flexitone. <laughs> all day long. Flexitone. <laughs> wow. Can you do your what? best impression of a flexitone right now? <laughs> Is 
I I have a similar answer, Stephanie. Uh, I would go I would go with the vibra slap because anytime someone says something silly or dumb, you could be right behind them, just going. Pew, 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 oh, that's also that- that's my best vibra slap. Oh, also you could uh, if there's ever a cake cover band, you would be a necessary musician because there's a lots of vibra slap in cake. So, so you're so going to base your entire choice your choice on whether or not you're going to join a cake cover band. Hey, you never know when the opportunity is going to present itself. So, vibra slap. What? Oh, cake cover band. All right, Josh, you you know the most about these instruments. If you could only play one, what would it be? I have the lamest answer, a drum pad. Uh, so I can play it at all hours of the night and nobody will hear me. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you a horn for that one because I I'm in, that's in honor of your fiance because I can only imagine what that must be like just like hanging out with the drum pad all day long all day every day. <laughs> well, she makes me leave the house every time I want to practice. <laughs> oh. Well, in honor of her then, that's that earns itself a few uh few points okay. for kicking you out. That's good. Okay, my final question is what non-percussion instrument in the orchestra. So any other instrument in the orchestra that's not percussion would make the best percussion instrument. Hmm. Josh. Would be the best percussion instrument? Yeah, like if you could use any instrument in the orchestra as a percussion instrument, what would it be? I feel like I'm setting you guys up for a really sweet viola joke. Probably, well, I was going to say a string instrument, but not viola because it's it's not big enough. Um, (laughs) Bass, viola joke for sure. Bass, all right. Bass, good. Good. All right, how about you, Mike? Um, yeah, I I gotta say a piccolo because you can hit anything with a piccolo. (laughs) Wow. Well, you can hit anything with anything. Pickle true, works good, true. though. I've tried. You, you've guys, tried it. <laughs> guys, the answer to this one is so obvious. I don't know why you're not, like, thinking about it. A conductor baton, actually two conductor batons. Those are instruments. And think about it. They're sticks, so you can hit anything like you would with percussion sticks, whether it's mallets or... Uh, so, and you could flip it over and hit things with the grip because there's all sorts of different grips, different types of wood. You're going to get all sorts of different sounds by using two conductor batons. Plus no one likes a conductor anyway. So if you break one, everyone will be happy. I think, yes, those are all excellent points. Excellent points. All right. So we've been keeping track of the points that don't matter and, what Tim have we come up with, producer Tim? Everyone, he's still he's still tabulating. He's tabulating. All right. <laughs> Ouch! All right. So <laughs> once again, holding it down, third place, Mr. Michael Gordon. Yes. <laughs> well done, Mike. Well done. In second place, there he is, is our maestro himself, Mr. Jason Sieber. We have officially switched places, Stephanie, because usually I'm the host and usually you come in second place. And I think both times you've been a host, I've come in second place. So, so I we're think just switching places. Next time we need to let Mike host so he doesn't have to lose every time. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's won a few times. <laughs> that means finally that our first place winner, of course, is Josh Jones. Thank you for playing Woo-hoo! Bar Talk. <laughs> Well done, Josh. So, Josh, what that means is that you get to recommend some listening to our our audience this week. So, is there anything, any recordings, any YouTube clips that you want to direct our listeners to? 
Yes, uh, a new album, relatively new, by Nate Smith called uh, Postcards from Everywhere. Cool. It's really short. It's it's not really short, but it's very easy to get through. Um, Very good music, and Nate Smith is a good friend. So... Awesome. Well, if you were to also, um, so we're going to listen to Nate Smith. If you were to recommend um, just like a general audience member, um, listen to something that has a, a great orchestral percussion part, what would that be? Ooh, um, either The Last Movement of Prokofiev Five, Yes. Or Festive Overture by Shostakovich. Love that. That is a those. banger. That is my favorite. I can't wait. I hope that symphonies all like globally play Festive Overture when we go back to work. Jason it and is. I love to program Festive Overture on um, education yeah, concerts. You, it's a great way to start it, a show. Me. It is. It is indeed. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Josh. It's been wonderful to talk with you today. Uh, congratulations in advance on your wedding tomorrow. Woo! We're so yeah, happy man. for you. Oh, yeah. Enjoy your day. That's going to be awesome. On our next episode, we get to visit with a dear friend of the Kansas City Symphony, our former associate conductor and now music director of the Knoxville Symphony, Aram Demergen. We'll find out what he's been up to since making the move to Knoxville, but more importantly, we're going to find out once and for all who among us is the greatest sports nerd in a very special edition of Bar Talk. Next time on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. 